Psychedelics are illegal not because a loving government is concerned that you may jump out of a third-story window. Psychedelics are illegal because they dissolve opinion structures and culturally laid down models of behavior and information processing. They open to us the possibility that everything we know is wrong. We don't need new laws that control our consciousness and rigidly place it in a prison. Cognitive liberty. The fact that as adults, if we're not hurting anybody else, we should have the right to explore the contours of our own consciousness without any mediation or legislation on the part of somebody else. Reject authority. Authority is a lie. Of Information is power. But we have to seize, seize the opportunity. The opportunity. The opportunity. Coming at you with a solo cast, 11, 11, 11, how about that? Those are some nice numbers. 11, 11 p.m., drinking some tea, sitting down in Mikeadelic Studios, feeling, feeling a solo cast right about now. So, I, you know, I, I've been talking a lot of, on this show about... Um, about our place in the world now. Um, you know, a little bit about uh, where we've been, where we are, maybe where we're going. I have been talking about ideas involving uh, freedom and, and liberty, uh, consciousness, cognitive liberty, love, fear, hate, all the good stuff. Uh, for a long time. Uh, well, you know, I mean, I guess not a long time, but for, for a time. And uh, I'm going to continue to talk about those things. So for those of you that are new to the show, this is what I'm all about. And uh, if you also want to check out older episodes, you can do that too. Because you'll probably find some of the same kinds of things in there. Uh, hopefully, each time I talk about what I talk about, I can add to it. But I suppose the purpose isn't necessarily to present new information for you to take away and you know tell people about, I heard this on a podcast and now I know things. But really, I guess maybe being inspired by uh, being around Chris Ryan and reading his book, Civilized to Death, and being able to talk and interview uh, people like Charles Eisenstein. I just came from a talk he did at the Patagonia store here in Denver, uh, talking with other really inspirational and, uh, people and, and people that are doing some, some really amazing work that are reaching out and connecting with me and and for, you know, maybe new listeners who have come to the show and maybe you're, you know, going through some of the back catalogs. But, you know, this show is, uh, is an evolutionary process, is a learning out loud, thinking out loud, evolutionary process for me, for you, for everybody uh, along this journey. You know, I always find it interesting when people 
you know, dig up uh, old tweets or politicians. Well, you said this in 2007, but now you're saying this in 2015. Like, you know, you're not being uh, consistent. <laughs> Why should we be consistent? You know, consistency can be a prison, a trap. You know, you can fall into dogma and ideology and shackle yourself to the confines of one, one way of being and one way of thinking. And I think that every day we're alive, every moment we have a choice on how we want to engage and how we want to show up in the world. And it's a chance for us to, to learn and grow and make mistakes and learn from those mistakes and grow from those mistakes and just keep that process going. So yeah, my ideas have changed. My thoughts have changed. I, you know, to quote the dude, new shit has come to light, man. New information has come to light. New information is always coming to light. New moments are always striking me to open my heart, to open my soul, to open my mind, to lean in more, to dive in more, to ignore any sort of doubt, to stand firm in the belief of who I am in the world. You know, sometimes, a lot of the times in this world, people try can try and make you feel crazy. And, you know, I... I have felt that way, and I've heard Charles talk about this. I was really happy to hear him uh, say this to me, uh, Charles Eisenstein, on on the podcast I did with him. That uh, when he was he was referring to speaking to Kelly Brogan, the renegade psychiatrist, um, that she's a, a deep ally that makes him feel like he's not crazy, you know. And I think that we all need that, you know. We all need people to check in with us constantly, to let us know, yes, you're on the right path, you're on the right track, you're saying, you're thinking the right things, you're being a good person, you're doing, you're doing something that makes, the, makes me feel more whole, more complete, you know, gives permission, sends an invitation to join, to come in, to connect, to deepen the relationships that we have with each other, to really know each other. You know, I, as I sit here in front of my microphone watching the audio bars move up and down on GarageBand as I record this in front of my laptop. I'm alone in my apartment by myself, talking into a machine, talking to an inanimate object. But I know people, real people, real flesh and blood, air-breathing humans are out there listening. And I hope that this, what we're doing, what I'm doing here, is able to resonate with you on a level that makes you want to deepen more into your being, into your spirit, into your soul, and to open and expand your minds and your hearts. And if that is possible, if that is an effect that can happen, then let's make that happen. Because that, that is all, you know, we are all very... Uh, deeply craving these things you know we can do there's a lot of things that we can do to join together within the confines of of the structure of the society that we live in we can have meetup groups and we can have you know intentional communities that we can join up and be a part of but we're still you know we're still in 
you know, as Chris Ryan refers to it, like as this zoo, you know, it's like, so how can he says like, how can we make the zoo the best possible zoo? You know, I kind of think it's more, we're more in like a factory farm. Um, and I, you know, I don't think Chris would disagree with me on that, but uh, he refers to it as a zoo. But how could we escape the factory farm and go back to the wild? You know, that's, that's really what my heart is like calling for, you know. And I've experienced it. I've lived in the Amazon rainforest. And I, you know, the, the way of life that I lived, sure, you know, you're, you're deep in the jungle and there's certain things that you wish maybe you had more access to. But I've never felt more alive than living with a, a, a community of people that I develop deep connection and relationship with. Free from any of, of the design elements uh, of, the, of the current game, the language, the programmed language that encodes this reality, free from that, you know, in living in nature, living with people, living with animals and insects, you know, free from light pollution, these sorts of things. There's very, there's really, it's very difficult to create that castle within the confines of the allowable sandbox of thought, opinion, and expression that has been coded into this reality by the dominator cultures or our dominator culture currently right now. And, you know, Terrence McKenna uses that word a lot, the, do- the dominators. And I, I like it because that is, you know, we could, I could get pretty out there and go off on what, you know, these plutocratic, oligarchic, tyrannical, parasitical, sociopathic, narcissistic, egotistical, material, reduction, you know, we could go, go, go with all the adjectives. But the dominators is, is a good one to use that I like a lot because it, it's one word that clearly showcases the thoughts, the behaviors, the modality of the beings that inhabit that class of individuals who accept those roles or strive for those roles because those abstractions have become material institutions and systems that we sort of grant special privileges and powers to. Or that we also organize as people in this hierarchy and say, and, you know, essentially offer an outlet to people to climb to dominator positions. Whereas in tribal societies, there were no uh, massive centralized hierarchical institutions within the tribe that would appeal to people who exhibit narcissistic, psychopathic, sociopathic, parasitical, uh, you know, insane tendencies and behaviors and habits. You know, the, the people that had those uh, tendencies and those behaviors definitely were either healed by the tribe 
taken in deeper into the tribe or closely monitored and watched. And if things really got out of hand and that person really violated a lot of tribal agreements, that they were then ostracized, excommunicated, and exiled from that tribe, which meant probably certain death. You know, if you think about it, really, that is why when we are alone, and we're alone a lot in this world, that we feel like we're going to die sometimes. Maybe not literally, but we feel a great pain, a great suffering. Because we, we are social creatures and we need to be connected to one another. And when we're not connected, we don't feel like we're really cared for by a community of people and people that we, we desperately need. You know, instead, we rely on these institutions that we've allowed to gain tremendous amounts of power. So the ability for us to, or the incentive, the uh, innate inertia to move forward and connect, to reach out to your neighbor, to, uh, to help people, to be there for people, to support people has been eroding for a long time, and it's really bad right now. You know, you could essentially never leave your home. You could work from home. You could order food from home. You could order Amazon stuff and just isolate and stay in your apartment. But I think we all know, you know, they call it getting cabin fever. We all know the feeling of being isolated and alone for that long, which is not a good one. You know, that's why... In prison, they, they put people in solitary confinement. That's the worst thing that you could do to a person is remove them from the energetic, harmonic resonance of the, the meat that we are. You know, being with someone, being with people changes everything. You know, to be live with the others. And that was, that was always around. And when I was w- living and working at the temple uh, in Peru, that was, that's what everything was all about. I mean, you know, reading and doing yoga and exercising and taking, you know, different classes and doing ceremony, but coming together with others and, and sharing a space with others and learning about them and talking and laughing and sharing is really uh, what we crave. And, you know, obviously this dominator landscape knows that. So uh, anything they can do to make sure that that's not really fully experienced in the realm of the real. And as long as the dominator class can keep putting products and advertisements for products and services out there that offer us, uh, you know, these secondary runner-up prizes, we, we bite the hook, as, you know, Pema Chodron says, you know, we bite the hook, we, we take the bait, because we, we, we want the real thing. 
to fill the, the hole, the void that we find in ourselves. Maybe not every day. Maybe it comes and goes. But any time that you're feverishly scrolling through Instagram and maybe an hour's gone by, it's what, what are you searching for? What are you looking for? If you're scrolling on Amazon thinking, what do I need to buy? If you're using drugs to escape, you know, doing whatever it is you're doing to fill the hole, to patch things up temporarily for a short term, for a little while. And, you know, uh, this is just, it's just kind of on autopilot now. Most people don't really have, most people can't really afford or even recognize that they have the choice to take time away to think about why things are the way they are, why they feel the way they feel. Is there anything maybe they can do about it? Are there other people that feel like they do? Or are they the only ones? Are they weird for feeling the way they feel? Are they weird for thinking the thoughts they think? And that, that there's the fact that, there, that so many people don't have the outlet of expression like in the community that I lived in, in tribal societies, like to express what's bubbling in your being, you know, leaves people to be sort of unchecked, isolated, detached, and to stew in their psychopathology and just, just keep it going and going and going and on and on. And you can go mad and you can do terrible things and you can become a terrible person. And it's, it's not necessarily the faults of these people. Myself included, I've felt like this at times. You know, because if we really are the human race, if we really are the ambassadors of Earth, if we really are the, the nature that this Earth has peopled into form, into, you know, talking monkeys, that we can move our mouths and make vibrations come out that are interpreted by other people you know that that, that we are collaborative world building beings that we are all one and we and we do experience that however some people are looking for others to help, to, as Ramdas says, help walk them home, help walk each other home, help us remember because we always forget. You know, a great healer told that to me. You know, we, we, we must remind each other when we must try and remember ourselves, but we will inevitably always forget. It's just something that we do, we forget. But we must be, be there to, to check in, to remind to offer a hand because that that is that that is what we are so when we have these great ideas you know to help oftentimes they they can maybe go too far and then we become slaves to these abstractions that we've birthed into being that we've created and maybe it's because we have forgotten Maybe it is because of like what Graham Hancock says, we have severed our connection to 
the sacred. We have severed our connection to Mother Gaia, to the language of the cosmos and of the earth, of the plant realm and the animal realm. We, we have cut ourselves off and we have decided to build a world on top of this natural world. Maybe it's because of that that we have birthed into being material externalizations of a very big egoic consciousness. That the the thoughts that take shape when the, within the consciousness that has been severed from the earth and the cosmos and the mystery, that we they, that they don't take on those properties. Those properties get left behind. The magical gets left behind. The, the wonder, the enchantment, the love. And instead what we get are projections of the inner turmoil and conflict happening within. And that's what we have formed, the concrete and steel buildings and the systems and the language and the the whole construction of everything has been so out of step with a connection to the sacred that, of course, we have forgotten and continue to forget. And we think that it's woo-woo, and we think that it's not scientific and irrational and not logical and, you know, all of these things, you know, because we, we have strayed so far away from living in a whole and complete version of reality, one that's in touch with every element of what it means to be alive and to be in touch with elements that take us out of this sort of logical, rational, you know, order-taking, drone-like trance that we're, we find ourselves in, our mainstream society finds itself in. I mean, I cannot watch the news without laughing at the concept of, the, the, of this thing, that, that how absurd this is to have this flashy program key word there, where actors in these stupid costumes come out and say, oh, uh, tonight at 10, Wolf Blitzer in the Situation Room, we're going to talk about Russia, collusion, fear, 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 be afraid, you know, depend on us for saving you and for distracting you and, you know, all, it's just, it's, it's, it's such a I can't, uh, I can't uh, look at it and, and take it seriously one, one bit. It doesn't communicate to me the truth of, of, of being alive and what it means to be alive, fully alive. These aren't alive people. These are robots. You know, these are reptiles. They're cold-blooded and they're cold-blooded because they're detached themselves and they're isolated themselves. You know, there's... Who has... How do we 
gain the capacity to open the pathway, the portal, to allow choice to emerge within us? You know, how do we allow, like, how do we invite something into our reality tunnel that we don't even know exists? How would it make its way there to us? I don't know. I don't have an answer for this. I have no idea. You know, I just happened to be some extremely average person that just kind of sensed something was off and just kept following that. And maybe that's what the key is. Maybe the key is to really, really believe and trust in yourself. I mean, how many people out there are second-guessing themselves, not listening to the, their gut instincts, not listening to the little small voice inside of them saying, go here, think about this, what about that? I mean, a lot of people are, but a lot of people aren't as well, you know? And it's like, well, what kind of dis-ease what kind of disruption and conflict does that create within, within somebody who's not fully listening to what's calling them forward? And maybe it's, it's not so recognizable, but I'm, I try and go by feeling. And that feeling changes. As I started in the beginning of the show, Like things that we have thought to be true, things that we've felt to be true, maybe they weren't. Maybe something else is. But wherever you're, wherever that, that feeling is pulling you towards, investigate it. Go there. Question things. Be open. But we do, you know, we do live in this dominator culture that, that tells people not to do that. You know, you need this. You need, to, you need to buy these things. You need to eat this way. You need to drink this stuff. You need to think this way. You need to, you know, you can't, who are you? You don't have a college degree. You can't talk about that stuff. You're not an economist. You can't comment on that. Well, you know, you said this two years ago and now you're saying this, so you changed your mind. You know, we live in this uh, zero-sum, you know, win-lose, uh, smash people down, smack down, uh, climate of of just you know that's that's what we've been trained to believe this gladiatorial environment very egoic perfect fit for the material infrastructure that we've erected in our cities our towns you know everywhere we go which has an effect on us. Our environment has a great effect on us. The environment that we build out of this egoic consciousness only reinforces the ego. You know, it's, it's this constant feedback loop. And I, you know, I think it's, it's, it, it all boils down to, to fear. And fear stops me. Fear, stop, fear comes into everybody's life. But it's also the, the fear of not having faith and confidence in your in yourself and your thoughts and your opinions and your feelings and your emotions you know when people say hey you're at work you can't cry at work come on suck it up get it together let's get it get in the game hustle and grind make it happen where's the time to be an alive human where's where is the availability where is our allotment of humanness in that environment in that space you know, we feel maybe we can't express ourselves in that way. We feel shy. We feel like we don't want to open up. We don't want to share. We, 
we're not good enough. We can't do it. Uh, you know, whatever it is, it doesn't have, you don't have to be, you know, making millions of dollars. You know, even if, even if you just want to make a meal, oh, I can't cook. I'm not a good cook. Oh, I can't. I'm not creative. I hear people say that all the time. I'm not creative. Yes, you are. You created the life that you have now. You create, you, you birthed into being out of your mother's womb. You're here. You're at the show. You have a part in this. Even if it just means, you know, taking care of plants that you have on your balcony. Do it. You know, you can do it. You can, you know, but we're so detached and we're so dependent on centralized power. You know, whether it's government, religion, Amazon, Hollywood, Netflix, whatever it is, you know, universities, we, we are always giving ourselves away. And we're always saying, well, someone else is going to do it. Someone else is going to take care of it. I don't have to get involved. I don't have to make an effort. I don't need, you know, when you're filthy rich, when you're wealthy, you don't need to know really how to do anything. You can hire people to do everything for you. And maybe that's a way of, of being. And maybe that makes some people happy, but not me. I like to learn how to do things. I like to get involved and participate in creating something. Even like I said, if as small as just a, a dinner. There's a certain kind of pride that comes with that too. There's a certain kind of freedom that comes with having the availability to use time in such a way that gives you such deep pleasure that can't be replicated in the material realm, in the realm of screens and clicks and shares and likes and drinks and money and other forms of pleasure and entertainment. It's a different kind of joy, a different kind of, it's a satisfaction, it's a deep satisfaction to commune with all aspects of life, to, in, uh, to unfold processes that you didn't know about and be involved in them. But we're so conditioned. And it starts at uh, the, the prison that we all get abducted, uh, that we all get you know, taken away and thrust into that we call the, the education system, the schooling system, the programming and the priming that wants to mechanize the human spirit, that wants to digitize the humanness that we all have into results, you know, producing something of value, something, of, something that the dominator game has programmed into our consciousness to value. You know, that everybody has value. Everybody has something to contribute. And everybody is deeply creative. But we, we second-guess ourselves out of fear. And the fear is so omnipresent and omnipotent that we can't even see it. It, we just swim in it like fish in water. It, it, it's, it, it's just, it's so prevalent and ubiquitous. And 
it influences us even if we don't realize it. How many times do you hear people apologize? People say, people say I'm sorry all the time. Oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Just, you know, someone moving, moving past me. Sorry, excuse, sorry, sorry. Even, even in weird places when people are just starting sentences, like, I'm really sorry, I don't understand, you know, like, the, the level of apology, it's like we have to, you know, we, we've been so conditioned to bow down to overlords of, of you know, that, that wield power and authority like Thanos wields the, the stones and Avengers. But the Avengers don't bow down to, to him, you know? And I think that's why those movies are so popular. You know, it's like this sort of modern myth of like accepting the, the burdens of your gifts and moving forward to do the things that, that you believe that is, is right and true and stand up to the thing that wants to destroy and dominate and spread fear and hatred and divisiveness and polarize people. And oppress people, and that can be really, you know, that can be really, really scary for a lot of people. You know, we're 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 told that, you know, we've, like I said, we've been conditioned to follow along like a grading system, you know, like very, like almost like, you know, Pavlovian or this this reward system that's like, hey, if you're a good little boy, if you're a good little girl, you'll get an A. If you get an A, you'll get a cookie. If you don't, you'll get grounded and punished and isolated. We'll take you away. So we've we've grown up in this dichotomy, this sort of false dichotomy. Like, you know, it's but we set people up for this. You're you're either good or you're bad. You're either smart and therefore you have value or you're not and you have no value. You either make a lot of money and you have value or you don't and you're you have nothing. You work harder. Be smarter, be better, contribute more. Are you telling me that the people that can't find a way to showcase value, the, the value that the dominator container game system, their definition of it, what we determine to be value within this system, so they can't find that, Therefore, they don't deserve to be a f- to fully be a human being. They have to live in in squalor and refuse, struggle and suffer, have great pain, can't take care of their families, can't buy healthy food, have to you know eat McDonald's and fast food and get sick and get prescription meds and Medicaid and of course we need to take care of these people so we don't mind uh, you know being expropriated having our tax dollars taken away from us and you know this is the this is you know this is the 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 sort of mess that we've created this terrible web this terrible interconnected web of bullshit that if we just rip it off right now, a lot of people are going to suffer. A lot of people are going to be fucked. So we can't really, we have to learn how to sort of, you know, if we are on this sort of collective hero's journey, you know, maybe we've, we've tried it every time we've had civilization emerge. We've went on the journey. We've learned, we've, we've created, but we, we never returned. We just 
it just ended. Maybe this time around, we can learn and we can return. And we can complete the mission and bring something back. You know, not to say that everything that, we've, that we're, we're doing is like this great tragic mistake. I mean, it is, but we're here, so now what? But maybe by going on this journey, this rite of passage, this like initiation, maybe we can evolve into a newer realm of consciousness that's able to be more present and aware and alive and connected. And when we are that, the fear can go away because we, we know we, we're going to know each other more. And I believe that, that that is what the internet is allowing us to do. You know, we're like babies with toys right now that are they're just shiny objects being dangled in front of our faces. We're still learning how to know each other and see each other and hear each other. This is an unprecedented time. You know, there's no, there's no wonder that a lot of people feel like we're on the verge of global collapse. You know, maybe we are. You know, it's things have really gotten out of hand. You know, you, you let your baby play with an iPad for too long. It's probably not going to be good. We need to be able to, to put the iPad down, to, so to speak, you know, in this metaphor of being, you know, a baby or this analogy, um, rather, uh, that we need to integrate the darkness, integrate the fear, integrate the shadow side of our humanity into the next chapter of where we want to go because we can go wherever we want. You know, human beings can adapt to anything. What do we want to adapt to? What, what do we want? Do we want to survive or do we want to thrive? Like, what do we, where do we want to plug in? Where do we want to put the most valuable resource that we have, our time and attention? Where do we want to put that on? Because wherever we put that on is what we're going to get. So if we keep feeding the machine, if we keep allowing you know, tax dollars to go to uh, a $790 billion uh, military defense budget, uh, you know, if we allow for agencies to operate, operate outside of checks and balances, like all these alphabet agencies, the CIA, FBI, NSA, you know, who have compartmentalized divisions and rogue factions doing God knows what, you know, black budget programs and, you know, the money from, where's the, you know, Gary Webb exposed in the 80s that a lot of the money came from drug dealing to sell weapons to rebel groups so we can train and arm rebels so that they can overthrow dictators so that then we can install puppet regimes so that they can play ball and our dominators can extract resources out of people's environments and keep people in perpetual slavery and servitude just so we can dominate the globe. And so that this very, very tiny, small percentage of people at the very tippy-tippy top get to, you know, get off on that immense level of power. And, you know, there's, there's a lot of fear of embarrassment and shame and ridicule, being ostracized from the community, right? Being exiled from the group. And we, you know, we, death 
we are the fear of death, you know, is so, so, so there. You know, and in Chris Ryan's book, he talks about how these, you know, one of, he references one of my favorite books. He read, references a couple of my favorite books, but Ernest Becker's The Denial of Death, where, you know, Becker's talking about these, uh, you know, this civilization that we've created is, you know, some, in some way, some kind of defiance to our finiteness, like our limited humanity uh, or limited aliveness, beingness, our mor- mortality. You know, we, we want to, to live forever and these constructions like these pyramids and skyscrapers and buildings and all of this stuff is this sort of upward middle finger to God saying, no, we will, we, we will be here forever, right? Or at least we'd like to think so. And there's, this, there's also this, this fear of, of really being the human animal that we are. Every single, you know, everywhere you go, people are asking you to put on masks to sanitize and cleanse yourself before you enter into uh, an uncivilized <laughs> territory, as if that's a pejorative, you know. And, uh, but Becker talks about this also in his book where he talks about like, you know, we are, we are so afraid of our primal creatureliness. We're afraid because we, we know that we are these beings that have this magnificent ability to, of abstraction that we can ponder and contemplate the infinite and we can think things in our heads that we see in pictures and movies, and then we can share them with other people or we can create them and, and birth them into being and manifest them into the material world only mediated by time and energy like wizards and magicians that we are. Yet we know that that infinite capacity that we have is housed in this breath-gasping, decaying, hairy sack of meat that will ultimately just be food for worms that we will reach a point where we will decay and decompose that we're not going to be here forever so when we see we see we know that we think of ourselves as these helpless creatures you know naked and afraid in a world we never made these helpless animals it's like this this cruel sick joke so maybe in some form of defiance to that, we aspire to transcend that. We aspire to sit higher than others, to ascend to godhood, to reach for the heavens and the stars. You know, maybe that's why we like skyscrapers and mountains and you know, we want to go to space and we want to go up and we want to go far and we want, you know, we want to be with God. We want to be God. We want to escape the prison of this, this meat suit that we're in, this animal that we are, this stinky, hairy flesh bag. And we want to be this ethereal, just beautiful, white light, perfect being. And we're both. You know, we're both, but we don't have to take it so negatively. We don't have to... We don't have to be so upset at that because I, I find great humor and joy in that. 
that this is the moment now. What the body wants what the what the heart calls for, what the soul yearns for, what your human beingness aches for is to be fully what it is and to be involved in activities and engagements and agreements that allow that full capacity of your beingness to shine through and connect with others who are doing the same. And that's the, you know, that is the agenda of the ruling class, the dominators, is to try and limit that as much as possible. You know, it's not in their interest to have people disengage and detached and at peace. You know, the, the fact that they can create so much fear and people can live in so much fear is this sort of like energy that keeps feeding this system, keeps feeding it, feeding it, and feeding it like some monster that just keeps growing from it, from our, you know, nightmares or whatever. But when you are able to kind of tap into that space and when you are able to clear those pathways and open that portal and allow that choice to come in, to step into your own power and stand firm in your integrity and release any fear that you may have, fear of death, fear of shame, ridicule, embarrassment, whatever it is, whatever it may be, fear of getting hurt, fear of pain, you just are... are, are you know, when you, can, when you can cleanse that, sort of, so to speak, you know, when you can make sure that your instrument is tuned to receive those frequencies, your, you know, meat radio can, can receive those frequencies and you can recognize that you have a choice. Like, when that happens, like, you can step outside of the fear. The fear no longer holds weight over you. You know, I think Viktor Frankl said it in Man's Search for Meaning when he was saying, when we get a clear picture, a clear vision, we have clarity over our fears and, and what ails us. They, they, when we can see them for what they are, when we can see through the illusion that they no longer have power over us, they just don't have power of us. I mean, like when Neo gets shot at the end, of, spoiler alert, when Neo gets shot at the end of the Matrix and falls down, it's this, you know, mythological moment of this death and rebirth and when he comes back up and starts seeing the green code he's pretty much invincible because he has totally lost and shed any doubt and any fear and fully stepped into what he is what we all are essentially is that you know i'm not saying that you're going to survive getting shot by a bullet but what i'm saying is when you step into that realm of having no fear, that all kinds of magical things are possible. You know, we have so much fear that manifests in things that we call anxiety and you know, depression and all these chronic ailments and Ill, it, like it's just it's crazy. I remember I had Hamilton Souther on the show, uh, shaman and owner of Blue Morpho. He was talking about how, you know, in the in this Western world, like. People are worried all the time and in so much fear about what could happen, what's going to happen. And uh, in the Amazon, you know, with the tribal people, it's just like, you know, if they lived in fear all the time of like, oh my God, there's snakes out there, there's monkeys, there's jaguars, panthers, what's going to happen? Oh my God. He's like, that would be, they would go and like, you can't. It would just, it would lead to such an unhealthy 
terrible existence. They simply operate in a way where, well, if there's a snake, let's just walk that way instead. It's, it's, you know, and Eckhart Tolle says it too, where he says, you know, when we realize that our problems aren't problems anymore, that they're merely situations, either to be dealt with or not, we can enter into a frequency that changes how we interact and what kind of energy that we bring to it. You know, the energy of love and light, the, the Jedi energy, is an energy that, that is so powerful that it's actually an energy that the domineer class is afraid of the most. That's why they want to keep us separated and fighting and yelling at each other and, you know, running on the treadmill, not having time to actually think about the game that we're in and the limitations of the game and the limitations of our of ourselves. You know, that if you think that the the point of life and the the, the highest capacities of life is to uh have a a, a good job and uh have you know get married to a good person and have uh, kids and and send them to good schools and keep working so you could save up money for those schools and you know so you could buy a house and buy a car if you think that's the the apotheosis of the human spirit there's a a far greater room behind that one and all you have to do is see that door and turn it and keep turning it and keep walking into that room and keep, you know, as Campbell says, following your bliss. When you do that, I believe that, you know, you're, you're, you're jiving and connecting and, and resonating and in such a harmony with what you're truly meant to be here to do that you, like a magnet, just attract other people that are doing the same sorts of things into your life. And synchronicity just increases. And increases. It's like this, you know, this re- the reality creation machine, this invisible force energy is just churning and churning and churning higher and higher and higher. And how high can we take it? And where can we go with it? Can we see beyond the limitations of this modern civilization? Can we see beyond the realm of the day to day, the bills, you know? the most annoying phrase in all of humanity. Oh, nothing's certain in life except for death and taxes. Ha, 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 ha. You know, that, 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 is, that is not true. And when you, the more that we, you know, use these, this, this, this coded, programmed language, the more that we reinforce its, its system, its limitations. It's this energetic prison you know, self-imposed limitations, but we've been, you know, we've been conditioned to do this. And I don't fault every, you know, people because I don't believe, I believe that we do need leaders in the world. Uh, But the leaders that we have do not lead, they rule. And there's a big difference. Leaders lead by showing the way. Rulers rule by telling us the way. And in shamanic, uh, tribal, hunter-gatherer, forager societies, indigenous cultures, a lot of them, they just, the person that the group thinks is the one that's good at sort of relaying and communicating 
the the values and the decisions and the thoughts of the community the best is the one that people turn to but it, that that person is never striving for that position that person is never like in such a higher area of power over the people as soon as that happens the people are done with them cast away you know but the, we we've been so we've been so trained and so programmed to be dependent upon centralized authority, power, institutions that can provide us with every need, want, and desire in some form or another, whether it be temporarily something sort of real, but most of the time something fake and something in uh, an imitation or cheap plastic copy of the real thing. And, you know, psychedelics can play a, a big part in helping unlock that door that maybe is sealed shut. But I, I, I believe more than just psychedelics, I believe the, the, the combination of altered states of consciousness within a communal setting uh, with, you know, with deep, consistent practice, commitment, and ritual. A ritual and a commitment to honor the sacred earth and the sacred stars and the sacred and magical realm of existence in which we inhabit. I think that the more and more opportunities we have for psychedelics to become available in society, the more and more permission it it gives people to tap into something that was once not available and now is. And it's unfortunate that we had to go through such pain and such tragedy to get to this place. You know, it's unfortunate that we have so many people suffering from depression, anxiety, soldiers coming back with PTSD, you know, traumatic, extreme PTSD, and that it's almost like that because of that, that this option is able to actually have a voice now, a legitimate voice in the public sphere in the public mass mainstream consciousness. And, you know, people who have been, and even people who have been taking psychedelics for, for years, now there's more information than ever to practice taking psychedelics in a uh, healing capacity, in a ritualistic ceremonial way. And this is a, a very valuable time because if we're practicing psychedelics with intention and with reverence and ritual and respect and ceremony, for deep understanding of ourselves, our environment, our psyche, our, our bodies, that there's a great opening that happens. And as we know from brain scan, scan uh, images, that when under the influence of, uh, of psychedelics, that the default mode network in our brain lo- quiets down, it lessens, lowers, and allows for new neural pathways to open up new opportunities to carve new paths and to heal old ones. And it takes work and it takes time. But it's, it's like the walls come down. And we have constructed many walls in our, in our world. Invisible walls, physical walls, you know. 
ideological walls, philosophical walls, many walls, systemic, oppressive, tyrannical, fearful, the walls of the taboo, borders and boundaries. And the same way that this can happen to an individual in the right set and setting with the proper intention, if we magnify that on a you know, societal level, on a systems level, our inner journeying and our inner discoveries and our inner healing, our inner quieting of the ego is going to allow the birth of a whole new external landscape. You know, a lot of us live lives where we Maybe we live in a particular section of town or we live in a particular kind of way. Uh, you know, we Uber places or whatever it is that we do. We insulate ourselves and isolate ourselves because we can sort of afford to, you know. And, you know, and also, you know, a lot of us do feel like, oh, I, you know, I don't want to do an Uber pool. I don't want to sit next to anybody or whatever, you know, whatever your reasoning is. But once we are able to quiet that default mode network and, and quiet that tyrannical ego and open up into a whole new realm, into a magical world that psychedelics provides or a psychedelic perspective can provide, an altered state of consciousness can provide, uh, then we, we can, you know, just like different areas of our brain can start making connections and different areas of our brain can start talking and communicating to each other that normally don't, that same thing can happen in society. We can stop having fear and putting up walls and borders and boundaries to divide everybody. And the ones that are being thrust upon us will easily see them as illusionary propaganda meant you know, with, with one agenda in mind to just whip up the populace and get everybody in a polarized, divisive state of panic and frenzy, fear and anger and anxiety and depression. And we can start to trust each other and not have so much fear of each other and really invest and have skin in the game and come together on a voluntary level where we're not dependent upon outside centralized hierarchical authorities. And it's, it's the psychedelic experience can open you up into that realm of wizardry and, and mysticism and awe. We live in such a magical world, the, from the, the dream space to the psychedelic space to, the, to space space, <laughs> and to shut ourselves off and confine ourselves into a smaller version is to really miss out on the full capacities of being alive. But like I was saying before, there, there's a lot of people that... that don't even realize that that's a, a realm that exists, that that's an option, that that's an opportunity to tap into a greater state of being alive. And, you know, I think it's because a lot of, how many people really are alive? You know, we have these shows like The Walking Dead and, you know, all this stuff. You know, the zombie apocalypse is already here. You know, there's, there's so many people that just aren't here. and you know, they are putting on layers and layers 
They are putting on band-aid after band-aid. You know, they're numbing themselves and they're limiting the capacity to have empathy and and connection. They're closing all the they're sealing off all of the outlets for our mechanism, our human mechanism to interpret the data that's around us, you know, this information from the environment and from others. It's like there's a lot of people that, that don't have the capacity to to receive that those signals. So they don't know. It just kind of deflects off of them. You know, I don't know if you've ever been trying to talk about something that's not necessarily discussed in mainstream culture to someone who's a product, uh, you know, a full embodiment of mainstream culture. They, it's like they just glaze over. They're not there. They, they're like robot zombies. And, you know, that's why I say things like, you know, they're lizard people and reptiles and stuff. It's because that's what it feels like. They're cold. They're detached. They're not fully tapping into the full human that they can be and are. And that's really what it is. I, I think I said before, like, you know, what you're here to do. And maybe, maybe you're not here to really do or accomplish anything, but just be. I mean, some of the greatest moments of my life aren't like moments of accomplishment or achievement or like getting to a, an end of something. Some of the greatest moments of my life are just sitting around with friends, you know, sharing stories and food and drink and laughing and not looking at our phones and just being there with each other or the little moments that you have when you're talking to somebody and you're deeply connected with them, looking at their, their eyes and they're looking at yours and you're sharing, you're sharing a profound connection, that connection that we all have, the connection that we are, that, that nature exemplifies, that nature is. We are nature, as Alan Watts says, just like a tree, apples and earth peoples. The earth has brought us out of it into existence. We are, we are an organ of the earth, just like the plant kingdom and the insect kingdom and the animal kingdom. They all have their roles and their functions. And as a product of Mother Gaia, as a product of this planetary consciousness, this wholeness, this complete, as Charles Eisenstein says, the, the living earth, if we are to be a part of the living earth, then our, what is our function in engaging in this living earth? Well, it's to use the fullest potential to, that we have to tap into the highest livelihood of our humanness, to communicate with each other, because that's, in a way, we are vessels and a channel. You know, we are a, a an organism made up of a multitude of organisms. You know, we are not this just one solid thing. We are ever-changing. We have vast amounts of life forms contained within us at a microscopic level. And this is, this is nature. This is earth. This is part of it all. So why would we think that there isn't some kind of message that's able to come through? You know, people talk about the the message of ayahuasca, it's, uh, you know, ingesting this brew is, is like communing with the, the divine spirit of 
Gaia, of the Amazon, of ayahuasca. What's its message? What's its purpose? What's its plans? What does it want? You know, trees survive. Trees send messages to each other. They communicate with each other. Mushrooms, the mycelium network, it, 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 it communicates, it talks in a language that we don't have the capacity to, to interpret and understand. But everything is intelligent and everything is alive in this natural world and we are no different. We are part of that natural world. And as a function of the planet, of the earth, of the natural world, it is poking certain people saying, help. Help turn this ship around for the benefit of us all. You know, why are there people protesting you know, climate change and uh, you know, getting angry about you know, the, the loss of biodiversity and all these things? It's because we're con- we can feel the connection that we have and our communion with that connection of the, the whole of the earth and all of the species and plants and everything that, that inhabit it. We are a function in that. And our, and our functioning comes through these vibrations coming out of the lowest hole in our head, just flying out, making vibrations and going into other people. That comes out of our, how we interact and engage, what we think, what we collaborate, what we build, what we construct, what we agree to. And it's all to, to serve the balance of this entire ecosystem that we, this environment, this planet, this spaceship earth that we inhabit. And the ones that are cut off from that the most are the ones that see everything as, you know, like concrete, right? Like I, I, again, Alan Watts, I think talks about this as like the, they, you know, the, the, the version of the world that they see it as like this, this ornamental world. Like everything is, you know, the, 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 the plants, the trees, the, the bushes, they're there to be manicured and maintained and squared off and shaped. They're all designed. Like we want to, polish it down to a nice shiny rock again as watts says uh but that's not what we are and that's not what we need and that's not i don't think that's what we want you know it takes a lot more energy and effort and cognition to to stop to have balance to lean in to listen to have dignity and respect for individuals and plants and animals and insects around us to try and just do the dance with the whole thing. And there's a certain kind of fear that comes with that too, because that's entering into the realm of the unknown, the, uh, un- the realm of uncertainty. You know, there's, uh, we live in this, again, we live in this world where we really, we want to know the outcomes. We want to predict the results. We want to ensure that we're going to be safe. We're going to be secure. We want to have certainty, but it's impossible. We're, we're, we're forcing it. We keep you know, this, the mainstream mechanism of the dominator culture is, is this machine that just keeps pushing its way through, you know, like a running back in football who's got no moves but just plows, tries to plow through people, just runs right into people. And that's what we have. We have this train that's just barreling down just everything in its path that's maybe, you know, some kind of way of going about going somewhere. but where are we really going? We're not really, there's no need to really go anywhere and to do anything other than nourish the deepest cravings for community connection, togetherness, 
acknowledgement, respect, dignity, honoring the sacred, taking time to listen to our bodies and find out what they want and respect our environments and treat them in a way that they want to the best of our ability. And that's not a final destination to rest. You know, the, 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 this happens in the spiritual community too. There's, or the psychedelic community even. Like, we want to get to a place. We want to get to the top of the mountain and say, ah, we made it. We did it. We invented this technology. We achieved some kind of inner peace, enlightenment. We found some message in a psychedelic trip. We're trying to always get somewhere, but we never do. We never arrive and rest and say, it's all complete. The, the game's complete. The puzzle's complete. The, the process that I'm talking about, the integration of the collective shadow into the whole living earth and living human consciousness that we are, requires a great dance, a great balancing act, an act that may not have a safety net below it, not an institutionalized safety net, not a centralized power system that has a monopoly on force, violence, that uses coercion and manipulation and expropriation to execute its aims. You know, we think that that's safe and we think that's secure. But like my favorite, one of my favorite quotes by Thomas Jefferson, you know, it's like, timid men prefer the calm of despotism to the tempestuous sea of liberty. You know, people that live in fear prefer this kind of quiet, oppressive tyranny rather than writ like the unknown sea of adventure that liberty can provide, that liberation says step into. You know, we look at nature, there's nature knows what to do. Nature knows how to grow, how to sustain itself, how to share, care, continue on to create diversity and novelty. And there's no government of squirrels that I know of. There's no, you know, corporation of trees. We, one of our greatest abilities is to come up with these abstractions to create these institutions and these systems, but we wind up becoming slaves to them. They, we wind up serving them and worshiping them and being indoctrinated, brainwashed, and controlled by them rather than stepping into the unknown and surrendering ourselves without fear to the natural processes of our true humanness. And it's hard. It's hard to escape that. I mean, even with, you know, the sort of Netflix, you know, streaming online, Hulu, you know, TV, whatever, social media, YouTube environment, you know, we, we see other people doing things and those things kind of take off and become a trend and become the sort of uh, culture of our time. And we, we absorb that so much that we start to become that. And we repeat things and say things. You know, I remember being in college and I think it was in college when like Anchorman came out and 
everybody would just like like me and all my friends would constantly just do like a oh, I guess like milk was a bad choice like hello it was like emulating and and quoting movie lines and becoming these like sort of characters that we saw like we're so desperately wanting people to we we're so desperately in need of wise old elders we're so desperately in need of people to show us how to be show us how to do i mean there's magazines and blog articles and all kinds of things how to talk to a woman how to do this 10 ways to you know find true happiness and you know follow my program sign up for my webinar join my course become a part of my cult you know whatever it is it's like and we're all in cults you know whatever it is hollywood entertainment you know higher education the intelligentsia the think tank people the the beltway beasts like the 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 the, the government corporations banks this they're all cults that that require our participation and our allegiance and worship in some degree even the concept of money you know every every single thing that we engage in is is we're entering into this agreement of a feedback loop that we will create it and it will create us we will shape it and it will shape us but no nobody knows who you really truly are especially if you're so entrenched in the prison of pop culture you know that you just sort of you know, Dave Chappelle has this great joke where he's like, he's like, you ever, you ever say some shit? You, you don't even talk that, that way. You don't even believe, you know, someone say, someone could say like, Hey, how you doing? And you're just like, fine. How are you? It's like, I don't even talk like that. It's like, you just, you're just mirroring and matching what the, what, what people are bringing to you. And because we have this crazy, insane cult of celebrity worship, we say, well, these people are the beautiful people and these people are the successful people, so they must know. They must be doing this human thing right. So whatever I'm feeling and whatever I'm thinking, whatever I want to say is weird or not normal and you know, people will look at me differently or think of me differently. You know, it's like trust in yourself. You are, your, you are the ultimate authority. Nobody can claim jurisdiction over you, but we get those claims thrown at us every day at high, intricate levels of manipulation put out by media, put out by celebrity culture, put out by the universities and the, and the institutions, all of them that I named, you know, these, these really high power concentrations of, of wealth, capital power, you know, the, the whole thing. And so it's, it's really, really hard to break away from that to get away from that, to step off of that, to, to step outside of it and to look at it with, a, with you know, a child's eyes. Every child that's born in the world knows, feels this. It's, it's, the, it's what we teach them, what we show them, and what we say to, do, you know. And, and in our culture, we tell kids to do a lot of things and we don't do them ourselves. We don't lead by example. We don't walk the talk, certainly not our leaders. They're not leaders, they're rulers, and they're hypocrites. And for the most part, they're narcissists and egomaniacs. Like, but we give our power away. We mold and morph into what the limitations of the container. We stay on that 
three by five index card of allowable thought, opinion, and expression because we're scared to surrender into what's outside of that. And we've been told not to go outside of that. So we sell ourselves, we sell our energy, and we sell our time away, and we trade it away for the runner-up prizes, the rewards of the limited game that's being imposed upon us, maybe never even really knowing who we really are or what we really think or, or knowing that we even have a choice in the matter, a say. You know, we're not thinking of ourselves as the main characters of this story, but rather secondary characters, character actors, secondary players, background actors. But that's not that's not the case, you know, and, th- and that fear comes in because it says, just stay with, with the, the Dominator game. Just be a part of this general consensus of, of reality that the Dominator culture is putting out there. Just buy in, just do good, play it safe, don't cause too much trouble, just don't ask too many questions, just do what we say, please. You can have some nice things, you know, you can live a pretty good life, just stay on that path. But, and, and it's, and it's, primed and in you know infused with the fear of don't go off the edge of that cliff because off the edge of that cliff is is animal savagery you know chaos craziness you'll be you'll be ridiculed you'll be ostracized you're out of the group you're thinking and feeling things that we don't want and so that fear comes in you know if you go far enough off of the main game that you're going to be this lost, scared, helpless little domesticated dog that's now out in the wild and won't know what to do. But that's not true. You do know what to do. We all know what to do. We all know what you know, we, we really truly are. It's, maybe it comes in the quiet moments of doubt when we're by ourselves. Don't second guess it. Listen to it. What is it saying? You know, what, is, what are the microscopic organisms and the organs in your body, what are they tapping on your shoulder to tell you? You know, uh, Johan Hari talks about this in his book, Lost Connections, that, you know, the, the feelings that we have of depression, anxiety, and uh, stress, and tension, and pain, and disconnection is because we are not in these communities and our, our bodies are trying to tell us that we need we need it. We have, it's a message. It's a signal. It's, it's saying, hello, you're in pain or you're feeling this way because something's off, something's on the line. It's not, it's not in your head. It's not because of a chemical imbalance. Not Mainly, it's not. There, are, there is that too. But for, the most, for most people, the, the discomfort and the suffering that they experience is due to the isolated, lonely, disconnected, non-communal type of agreements and engagements that we participate in, that we stay on this track, that we, you know, we, we're not allowed uh, time for our full capacities of our total being to unfold. It's, we have to get back to work. We have to show up every day in the same kind of mental state we're expected to always perform and get results and be the same person with the same uh, capacities of, of being present and alert and solving problems and, you know, 
But as soon as we deviate from that, people try and, what's wrong? Cheer up. Let's fix. Let's get you back on track. But, but, the, but those are messages saying something is wrong and something is off and maybe there's another way. Listen to that. Follow that other way. All you can do, the, the, the best thing that you could do to help change the world, whether you care most about the climate or the economy or war or whatever it is, the best thing that you could do is follow the truest, clearest, most synchronized, harmonized part of you that's pulling you forward in a direction of joy and healing and connection. Like the, the, good, the good call forward, the, 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 the conflict or the pain that arises in you, the suffering, the, the worry, the, you know, that sort of stuff, sit with that. Listen to that. Track that. Where is that coming from? Dive into it deep. If you're taking part in psychedelics, go with it. Ride the wave. See where it goes. And then integrate it into the world. Put it out into the world. You know, there's, there's no path. There's no certainty. There's no destiny. There's no, you know, guarantee. The only guarantee is that you know that you're going to be listening to your own inner authority, and that's the most important thing because we're all free beings that have unique capacities to bring uniqueness into the world. And so, obviously, I've talked about this a lot on the show, you know, the war on drugs and taxation and, you know, um, just everything that we find ourselves involved in where people are taking from us and telling us what we can and cannot put in our minds, bodies, souls and our hearts how we can how we can or cannot augment and alter our frames of reference our consciousness our perspective you know what we can and cannot wear and think and say and do i mean this is mind control on such an epic scale because that mind control convinces you that you're wrong and gets you to be dependent and buy in on an outside external authority that thinks it knows what's best for you, but it doesn't. It knows what's best for its system, for its machine, for its mechanism, for its, you know, uh, forward momentum. You know, just like in the Matrix, you know, we have been converted into energy, producing and consuming and running on the treadmill and expending all of this energy and pushing through pain and pushing through suffering and, you know, two days... Nine, you know, nine to five more people are on their phones after work, answering emails, messaging people, doing work at bars and restaurants when they're out, always attached to this, tethered to this device that keeps them in the game, that keeps them in the trance. And then we get, you know, two days off and two weeks vacation a year. I mean, this is, we can, we can determine what we want. We don't, we don't have to fall in line with this. This is the vision of of an outside external authoritarian repressive and oppressive entity that all it wants to do is suck our energy out for us to trade our time in for paper and say, you're welcome. <laughs> and so we're always looking for some reprieve. We're always looking for some relief, some escape, some something. And that comes in many different forms. Like, you know, but we're still, everything that we do that feeds the that, that feeds the dominators, that gives them the energy to continue, 
you know, I was I was watching. Um, I I saw Joker recently, and I wanted to watch. Uh, and I could talk about Joker, but I wanted to reference Dark Knight because uh, I went to go watch that because I just love it so much. I want to watch it again. But the theme of that is this theme of escalation. You know, Commissioner Gordon brings it up to Batman at the end of Batman Begins. He says, what about escalation? He goes, Batman's like, what do you mean? And he's like, okay, well, you know, they start buying Kevlar vests. He's like, we're wearing Kevlar vests. They start buying armor-piercing rounds. You know, we get, you know, missiles. They get tanks. Like, you're dressed up as a, as a bat. You know, take this guy, for instance, and then he shows him the Joker card. This, and it's like fighting that fire with fire or, you know, escalating to a level that it's still operating within this particular framework. You know, it's like you have to sort of step outside of that. You know, and that's what I've seen in the, the great healers of the Amazon is that they're able to really see right through your bullshit constructed character costume to the depths of the the true essence of your eternal being to your infiniteness and they treat you they talk to you from that place you know what was it ramdas that said everybody is just god in drag you know see the see the god in everybody you know and so but what is being sold to us it's like this 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 game is being sold to us and we're 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 buying in you know we're buying in and we're going along we're going along to get along you know we're we're doing we're just we're we just keep doing it and we're in such a sickness that it's really hard to see and we can rationalize it. We could say, well, what do you mean? I mean, I get to have tacos and avocado and, you know, drink beer and hang on my friend. No one's putting a gun to my head. You know, that's, that's old tyranny. You know, I've talked about this on, on a show before. I forget which episode. But the, the book Amusing Ourselves to Death by Neil Postman addresses that how we're, we're really more living in this Huxleyan version of the world, this brave new world world, than we are in this kind of dystopian 1984 world. Both are dystopias, but the 84 version is what we see more around the world than we do here, you know, where there's these violent protests. I mean, protests raging in China and Spain and Chile. Chile. Um, you know, whereas here, it's more of a... Uh, like diluted and like quieted decentralized oppression so it's more of like a invisible almost oppression because most of us i guess most of us that listen to this show aren't facing uh the you know the fear of waking up with the tyrannical state boot on our necks you know we're not being shuffled around by stormtroopers and beaten you know we're not chained to our desks we don't have electric shock collars and you know microchips and stuff we have it it's done in a more elegant way we have uh, a very intelligent uh complex system of manipulation and control so much so that it's like almost like we have stockholm syndrome you know that a lot of people just like buy into this notion that this is um okay and that's the worst part right I think Jordan Peterson talks about this when he talks about the book Ordinary Men, a book about uh, Nazi Germany and how ordinary men could just be led to do terrible, horrible things, right? Like the the Nuremberg defense, 
where it's like, hey, we were just following orders. I mean, ordinary people can do really terrible, horrible things. I mean, just look at the police that shoot and kill and beat people. I mean, is it that they're terrible, evil people? Or is it they've that they've become shaped and molded into terrible, evil, evil behaviors, actions, thoughts, and habits that the system has produced, that has created the, the institution of policing, the incentive structure, right? It's like police are incentivized to, to ticket, fine, and arrest, to look for trouble and look for problems, not to de-escalate and diffuse situations. You know, why do we, why do we compartmentalize things so much and isolate them into these vacuums where, you know, it's like, well, politics is politics and, you know, the police are the police. It's like, where's the, where's the opportunity for the wholeness of the human being to come through? You know, instead of a police officer arriving to a scene with this intense, hostile, aggressive, anxious energy, ready to pop a cap. I actually had a police officer, a female police officer, told me that if I kept running my mouth, she was going to put a cap in me. Or pop one in me, I think she said. I'll pop one in you. I thought it was hilarious. This was in college. I think I even said, okay, go ahead, or something like that. And and I remember actually what it was from. It was because I was cursing as they were like detaining us and asking us questions. She's like, you keep talking that way, I'm going to pop one in you. was like, I didn't know cursing was illegal. you know. But it's like the power that we give to them gives them the this, you know, it's like, it's like we've allowed people to be like, it's like the system is, it's when you put on the uniform, when you put on the gun, when you have the badge, when you have, you know, when you have that kind of power, you just, it's the, the, the feeling that it creates. I don't know if anybody out there has felt what it's like to have power over people, you know, and that's the, the state thugs, the police who are the, you know, the, the thugs, the, the gang members, right, of the, of the mafia of, of government. It's like, they're the enforcers. They're the muscle. And the excuse of like, well, we're just following orders. I mean, that's, that's not an excuse. You know, no, no one should obey anybody that's trying to tell them to do something that's, that, that is hurtful to others. But we've, we've normalized hurtful. We've normalized We've normalized manipulation and hurt and force. And, you know, people, oh, he should have he just listened to what the police officer said. And then he would, he would be alive. It's like, do you really want to live in, in that kind of world where we're just expected to blindly obey all the time? I think that we want to live in a world where we're free to choose, where we have autonomy, individuality, uniqueness, and we're able to express that. So instead of a police officer coming with that energy, with that fear-based negative energy, coming into a situation to diffuse, to de-escalate, to say, how can we take this thing that's a problem and make it into a solution? Like, why can't police officers hug? Why do they have to wear black? Why do we have to, you know, why do we accept the things that we accept in our world to be the be-all, end-all? That's just the way it is. I think it really just stems down, it comes down to fear. People, do, you know, fear, time. People don't have the time. People are afraid. And people have less connection and therefore less empathy and less connection to the sacred 
and to altered states to clearing their minds and their bodies and detoxifying and and purging and 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 being united and in with everything that's around them that they're so walled off they're so shut off that you know that the idea of even making the effort to try and change things for the better they're just not interested in you know it's very individualistic right it's like i hey i got mine i got i'm doing good i got my money i got my security i'm all right you know tough shit for you know the people out there that aren't doing it you just got to be smarter got to work harder it's a very inhumane approach with you know no compassion no kind heartedness you know and maybe maybe i'm fucking wrong Maybe not everybody has that capacity. I don't know what it's like to be the rest of the 7 billion people that are inhabiting the planet. Maybe, maybe everybody else is a fucking robot. I don't know. I know what I feel. And I, and, I can, and I know what's come of interactions that I've had with people around me. You know, So maybe that is the great challenge, is how to invite those people over to enter into a new realm of connectedness and wholeness and to open their hearts, maybe open their minds. I think maybe one of the only ways that you can open your heart is to open your mind first. Maybe open your heart first and then your mind opens. I don't know. Maybe it goes both ways. And maybe it does take a catastrophic event. Maybe it does take a major crisis to initiate us into the healing that we need collectively. You know, that's something that uh, Daniel Pinchbeck has talked about in his book, uh, How Soon Is Now, and uh, some other people have talked about it, and Chris Ryan brought up in his book, Civilized Death, referencing Susan Solnit and, uh, sorry, Rebecca Solnit. Um, disaster sociology. You know, I, I forget the guy's name. I think his last name is uh, Fritz. Said that, you know, we fear these major events, you know, nuclear war, war, you know, war in general, or, you know, a terrible hurricane or tragedy. But the real tragedy is the monotony, the doldrum of everyday life. That's the real tragedy, the quiet desperation, the, the quiet yearning, the desire that you know, Henry, Henry David Thoreau references. You know, so how good can we make things? How good do we want to make things? Do we even really know that we have something that we can access that's deeper than the consolation prizes of the reward system of the narcissistic, egoic, tyrannical, authoritarian, crony, corporate, state, oligarchy? (laughs) You know, to the dominator civilization, the machine, the wheel that keeps spinning. You know, maybe maybe we need something to shake us out of it, to uh, you know, to to jolt us out of our slumber. You know, and maybe it's not going to come at at one as one thing. Maybe it'll just be this quiet kind of decentralized awakening. Maybe it's happening right now. But we need, uh, we need, we need the. We need like initiators, you know, we need people to show us the way we need people that are, and we all have people that we look to as, as influences and leaders, but we don't have them mainstreamed and inculcated within the institutions. And maybe, 
maybe they can't function within those institutions. You know, maybe we need to reinvent new institutions. You know, people talk all the time about, you know, it's capitalism, it's this, it's that. It's we need to move to socialism or we need to move to this. What if we need to move to something that we can't even think of? We can't even conceive of right now. You know, when the car was invented, you know, people uh, before the car was invented in, in New York City, I, I think I remember reading this in The Real Crash uh, by Peter Schiff. He's talking about like people were worried that like all this garbage and all this horse manure was just going to take the city down. And lo and behold, you know, the thing that we saw, out of the thing that we saw emerged something that we couldn't see, that we couldn't predict. You know, who would have predicted that the future was going to be what it is now? Certainly, they didn't in the 1950s. You know, they, if you look at sort of futurists from, from that time, or even like science fiction or fantasy, whatever, projecting into the future what the world would look like, what kind of technology we would have, and things like that. No one thought we were going to have electronic cigarettes and smartphones, you know? So there are these, it's like, uh, you know, what is seen and what is unseen? What can come of you know what can come out of and what can be birthed what new and novel and interesting diverse arranged like we have the for the first time we're, we're the whole world is connected by the internet and we see and we hear and we talk to each other and we're still in this kind of rough phase of figuring it all out but what if the systems that we had in the past aren't the systems that we bring into the future but we invent something radically different and radically new you know, using the technology and using the advancements that we have in order to bring us back down to balance so that we are, you know, so that the systems are serving us to our highest capacities, our highest human potential, our highest good, not the other way around. You know, I, I, I believe that we're, that we're emerging into that space. You know, that this sort of civilization that we have is sort of like going to be obsolete soon like it's going to run its course it's it's set to like self-destruct at, at any moment and maybe maybe not in like a violent like specific one instance kind of way but maybe in a slow crumbling away you know i think you already you already kind of start to see it i mean the the cat's out of the bag like people more and more people are starting to go wait a second what the fuck is going on and looking to alternatives alternatives that are saying, hey, there's another way, there's another path. You know, this, is a, this is a better way to arrange things. This is a better way for us to get along, and these are better forms of agreements, and these are better incentive structures, and this is you know, freer and more easier. And easier in a sense, not in a sense of like, you know, that you could have like an Amazon drone deliver a hot dog to your desk so you could keep working. You know, we, we don't want to just keep working within the, the confines of this self-imposed, you know, prison machine matrix that we've built that just, you know, we don't want to keep uh, innovating within that space and, and making things more efficient within the, the, the limitations of, of what that game can provide, but to start thinking outside of that, going, in, going beyond that, going beyond the, the, the realm of, of commodifying everything and packaging everything up and selling everything to each other that's temporal and when we see you know when there's a breakdown when the the matrix glitches out and there's a, a moment of crisis or panic or terror 
that the the illusion you know the the curtain we can see behind we can see the little man behind the curtain we can see the great wizard of oz and that you know the the dominators try and cover that up as quickly as possible it's like oh don't look over here don't see but when we when we get a, a view of that you know i think like alan watts says like we need to we need to wake up like we otherwise like you know if we're listening to talks like this if we're listening to lectures and reading books around these sorts of things and not taking action and not you know integrating and putting that into the world and and acting from that place then we're just teasing ourselves we're kidding ourselves we're we're messing with ourselves it's it's a level of almost like torture how does that stack up to like a true raw real freedom in, in chris ryan's book he says you know it's that's really the the marker of of true happiness is is it's it's the difference between freedom and control the freedom to not awake not to wake up to a the sound of an alarm clock every day you know the the freedom to be able to grow your hair long or have a beard or have a tattoo or whatever it is the freedom to do whatever you put whatever you want inside of your body and not have you know your company give you drug tests the freedom to free yourself from your work email on your phone and answering messages from coworkers at 10 p.m. on a tuesday you know there's no the 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 the, the stockholm syndrome effect also is in place with our work environments as well I mean, what is work? We have to ask ourselves these things. But we have to allow ourselves to have the time. The time that we could sit so that we can open up the space, so that we could clear the connections within us, so that we can listen to the intelligence that resides within us, in our organs, in our bodies. Where is the pain coming from? It's telling us something. We need to listen to it. And, you know, Anybody that says otherwise, don't agree with them. Don't agree with people that say push yourself, work yourself over to overtime, keep going, work harder. Doesn't matter how much pain you're in, keep pushing through. Why? Is it worth it to do that? You know, when the body is sending a message, we need to listen. We're not designed to be obedient, order-taking drones that produce, consume, and then indulge in mind-numbing entertainment and call that recreation and leisure. You know, our time is now. We are awakened into this three-dimensional space that we call life. It's right in front of us. Every moment that we're breathing and blinking. And we don't need anybody's permission. And we don't need anybody's approval. Because you own yourself. You're in charge of your consciousness, of your perception, of your beliefs, of your values. 
don't let people put theirs on you. Especially, don't let them infringe upon your rights to find out for yourself. That's the greatest tragedy of all time. Many people go through life never really truly finding things out for themselves, never really truly thinking deeply for themselves, never really truly being brave enough to express what's going on inside of the living being, the aliveness of their heart and soul that they possess. We need that. I need that. I need that from you. We are social creatures. We need to be social. We need to be active. We need to let it all out. Let it out. Because that's how, those are how bonds are formed and community is formed. And we can't do anything in this world. We can't make any change without really intimate connection and community. And the dominator class wants us to be isolated. Everything that they promote, everything that they encourage is to keep us separated, to keep us isolated, because there's more of us, way more of us, than there are of them. So we have to be able to say to ourselves, you know, to clear this space, to take the time, to allow the deep resonance at the core of our soul to emerge outward into all of the orifices and digits and (laughs) landscape and architecture and infrastructure of our bodies, minds, souls, consciousness, hearts, our being, our full totality of our humanness. We need to allow it to emerge so that we can ask the question, where does the power reside in my world? Does power reside with you? Are you able to make the decisions that you want to make? Are you able to express the thoughts that you have? Are you able to take your heart out and let it dance? To give permission to others to do the same? To invite people in? To invite the world in? To invite life and nature to sing to you? Are you able to understand that you are the ultimate power in your story, in your world, in your reality, and surrender yourself with faith and belief to the uncertainty of infinity, knowing that nothing is to be feared. That we're all swimming in the same cosmic ocean and we've been doing this forever. We need to break out of this mold of fear. We need to see ourselves. We need to really see ourselves. And, you know, for the people that that can't see themselves, we need to hold mirrors to them. We need to be mirrors for them so that we can invite them to have a look. This is a process of sort of 
deconditioning, unwinding and unraveling from the express train of culture that really just wants to take us away, to shut us up, to put us in cages and boxes, to limit us, to keep us scared, separated, controlled, tamed, domesticated in this factory farm that we call society. Can you imagine with me? Can you imagine something so radically different from what we currently have that we call this life? Money, work, even in the ideas of leisure and fun and recreation, entertainment, joy. Is there, is there something beyond? Can you see beyond the structures that invade our spaces, that invade our, our minds, that influence our, our thinking, our processing, our construction of, of frameworks of understanding? What would it look like? What would something, what would, it, what would it look like to live according to a new and different and totally radically different program? What would you program into the matrix if you had the ability to write the code? Maybe, maybe you can't do it on your own, but maybe you can collaborate with other people and think and feel what can we manifest? What can we birth into being? Because what's been birthed into being that's in front of us right now has been birthed into being by the severed connection of the plant world, of the earth world, of the cosmic, eternal, infinite world of the sacred. The sacred has been lost in our mainstream dominator culture. There is no sacred. And because there, there is no sacred, we have created and birthed a particular kind of game that has come into being from a particular kind of frequency or resonance birthed out of this egoic material, maybe negatively charged or fear-based resonance, and we see that play out and ripple. But what would it be like to cleanse, to decalcify, to rid ourselves of the toxicity and to open up new channels and new pathways that are clear and whole and at peace and to birth something into being out of love, collaboration, joy, fun, creativity, imagination. What would it be like to birth that modality or multiple modalities into existence.
anything is possible, but we're not going to get it handed to us. The people that hold power in this world are not benevolent. The people that really, truly hold power in this world are sick, evil, twisted, turned by the dark side. And they will never hand it. They will never hand liberation over. They will never hand the truth of reality to us. The truth of reality exists in all of us when we're born. And we have been conditioned. Every single thing has been telling us to doubt that truth. Run away from that reality. Cover it up. Be something different. Be what we tell you to be. And it's so powerful. But if we can rid ourselves of this conditioning and allow that beauty to emerge once again, nothing can stop that. that that's, that's straight love. There is not a shadow of fear in that. And if that's able to multiply and we can work together, we can create a whole new model for existence that would far outpower the current one. Not in terms of force, but in terms of energy, love, connection, and resiliency, standing in the face of darkness, anger, fear. If they can build those models that exist out of that, those of us who deeply yearn for the opposite are completely capable of building what they can, charged out of love. It is possible. We've been so conditioned to not trust ourselves and to not shake off, you know, this, shake off this erroneous notion that, like, that this is the game and that's it. And there's nothing we can do about it. When you rid yourselves and you, and you clear the pathways, when you find that still peace and that love, there's absolutely nothing that can crush that because that is infinite and eternal. And it doesn't die with you. The... The reverberation of a being standing in their power, in their integrity, emitting the magnetic frequency of love has the ability to inspire and change many, many people around them. And we all lift each other up. And we all walk each other home. I hope you are able to open up the doorways and dust off, dust off the uh, ornaments and sweep the hallways and the floors inside to be able to let that 
let that love out. And the kind of love that I'm talking about is the love for yourself. The love for your true core essence. Because when you love that and you let that shine, then it's easy to love other people too. But if you don't, if, you, if you're not coming from that place, then you can't. And then we can't, you know, no one wants to be around you. We can't have the kind of connection needed to actually, truly, you know, step outside of the crushing hellscape of this sort of quiet tyranny, the quiet control, the, you know, allowable rebellion. (laughs) We need a non-sanctioned, non-allowable, raw, real, true detachment from the poisonous dominator society. Well, those are my thoughts. Hope you guys enjoyed them. Bye. guys like these podcasts and enjoy them and if you do please spread the podcast share it tell a neighbor tell a coworker, tell a friend tell a cat tell a mouse tell a dog tell an ant tell a firefly tell whoever you tell share it spread it like it all that good stuff if you if you really love the show you want to go a step further you really want to help us out leave a five-star rating and review on apple podcasts um, and go to patreon.com patreon slash mike brank and um, patreon.com slash Mike Brank and you can donate as little as a dollar a month two dollars a month whatever you want helps support the show that way as well but remember I love you guys no matter what you do I just love that you tune in and you enjoy these podcasts message me I like hearing feedback get in touch with me on Instagram Mike Adelic Podcast Mike Brank on Facebook as well and um, but thank you once again to everybody. Thanks to Danny Barnett and Galaxia for the music, the intro and the outro. I love you all. Peace.